0: Alright guys, you're very welcome along to heartlines. this is Shane and this is episode 76 of the podcast and I continue on with my beverage industry my chats and I've been trying to get this gentleman for a while, he is the co-founder of Lockery Distillery, his name is Peter Clancy, how are you doing Peter, all good?
1: Good Shane, yeah, yeah, good.
0: Good man, good man. Now, so I was talking to you guys at Whiskey Live, um, it's a great opportunity to see like what's out there in, the, in on the whiskey landscape in, in Ireland like, and it's really growing it's great to see like 20 years ago probably wouldn't be the same but it's great to see there's a big you know push on, on the smaller distilleries as well like yourselves coming up as well so how did you get into whiskey making game were you always into whiskey or did you Come into it like
1: no i mean the, the the kind of short version of the story is is there was a kind of conversation around the family dinner table about something about what we would do with a vacant property that, that we had in, in our hometown in Lanesburg. Our mother was there and, and there was a suggestion about a craft brewery or something and I, I, I knew nothing about this space. I, I'm I'm an engineer and I yeah. process background and business background and that mm. but my brother Michael had been in the space for 20 odd years, working as a consulting engineer with a small consultancy firm who who were specialists in food and beverage. So he he had been in most of the distilleries and breweries around the country and knew the process and knew exactly what was involved. And, and I think and, and you know, some of this stuff you don't realize at the time, but he, he would kind of recount this story that for his 30th birthday, somebody gave him a bottle of Redbreast and uh he was in a bookshop and he, he spotted this book the lost distilleries of Ireland and hes he bought it and he started reading it and that piqued his interest and so for years before we even got into this game Mike was always kind of playing around with tastes and flavors and mm. and you know macerating stuff at home in 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 vodka or whatever and trying to you know just 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 playing around with it so I suppose when we kind of came to this um it it, it started as, as something let's let's have a let's have a look at this as a business idea. And, you know, then, then you kind of... It, it. I describe this business as like an onion, you know? It kind of sucks you in yeah. and you peel away a layer and then there's another layer and there's another layer. And if you're kind of naturally curious, uh, you know, I'm an engineer, Mike's an engineer, Sheila's, an, Sheila's a, a hotel manager turned accountant. um, You, you know, the the the, the kind of scientific curiosity that you, you have forces you to peel off the next layer. And, and you, you know... Uh, you know so it's 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 a fascinating business and and it is you know it's a fascinating business on all levels like it's a fascinating business on the product end of it it's a fascinating business on the equipment and distillery end of it it's a fascinating business on the marketing end of it you know so uh, you know you you, you kind of get drawn into it and and over time your 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 kind of appreciation for whiskey and your your knowledge grows mm. right and um, and that's that's the kind of long and the short of it you know
0: Yeah. And like, like it's, you're part of a, a your co-founder. So you've got your sister and your brother, Mike. So what would their roles be today? And like, as we were talking beforehand, like strengths and weaknesses, like, like you have to kind of find out who's going to be in what role, like sales or who's going to be the head of kind of production or whatnot.
1: So I suppose, um, Mike, um, and and you know, I was saying about him um you know experimenting with, with, with various tastes and flavors and and, and that end of thing. So Mike basically is the product man, yeah. okay. Um he and and he's very, very good at it. He's got a very strong reputation out there for products we release and and the, the variety of them and the quality of them. And quality quality first and foremost, I suppose, right? So yeah. we don't put anything in a bottle that that can't stand up to scrutiny, okay? Hmm. So Mike looks after that and, and the kind of distilling operations and bear in mind we're at a micro distillery scale so that's you know um you know he, he's able to marry those two roles um and and all the, the kind of wood end of things as well he looks after that so you know maturation um you know wood selection um all, all of that in the things so you know and, and and over time he is i think he has grown massively in confidence about it because you know the the, the the reception for our products out in the market kind of what he's doing is, is is good and you know so it, it, it kind of it's a bit of a kind of a rolling stone effect you know but now with now you know it, he's very very strong comfortable in that space and we're very very comfortable that he's very strong in that space and that, mm. that you know we myself and Sheila don't interfere in that end of things sure we all taste stuff and we all sample stuff but it, it's it's you know um the product development end of it is is mike's baby sheila then i suppose uh had a background in hotel management and then um went off and became a chartered accountant so she, she looks after all the kind of finance end of the business admin, all of that kind of stuff which again is is uh, you know very refreshing for the rest of us i suppose because you know she's got a good handle on it right and mm. You know, we 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 sit and we look at stuff or whatever, but the you know there's an amount of kind of admin work and revenue returns and all, and she, she's all over that, right? And and it's you know, so you never have to worry that got a was a revenue return filed this month? Was our VAT paid? All that? That's all she she sorts all that out, which is a you know, it's a phenomenal body of work that's probably underappreciated. But um, you know, that I suppose that allows Mike to to kind of get on with what he's doing. And I then look after the kind of sales and marketing end of it, and a lot of the kind of uh, the likes of this, the the PR, uh, mm. investor relations, all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah. um, I'm probably the, the the more talkative of the three of us, and you know, my background was was engineering, but then latterly business for 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 many years, and you know, a strong track record in kind of business development and all that stuff. So, um, that's that's the the, the way we kind of divvy up the roles.
0: Can you talk about your first release and how did you, well, were you kind of pensive about how, how, to, how would it would be received and how did you like, did you use kind of focus groups or whatever to like appreciate the whiskey before you released it? So you wouldn't have any kind of feelings of, oh, maybe we, were, we sent the wrong whiskey out to market.
1: In September 18, 2018, we set up our micro distillery um in um August, 2018. 2018. So just five, just coming on five years ago. Yeah. Um And, we released our, our our first product, which is Slingshot Gin, in in October twenty eighteen, right? And all along for the few years previous to that, we had been buying whiskey as as we could get access to it, maturing there. And come kind of the end of twenty nineteen, we decided that we'd release our first whiskey under the Bridge series. So you know we had all the brand development work done and everything else. So it was a question of of timing as to when they when we'd have the right product to to, to release. So. Um, the first one was called Too Small, and uh, you know, Too Small Latin Hebra, um, and uh, the the old Irish uh, proverb, good, good start is have to have to battle or have to work, and uh, I, I suppose in doing that, you know, we didn't exclusively kind of take a punt on it ourselves. There's a there's a few trusted people, um, Ali in the Celtic Whiskey Shop is involved with us, as a few other people in the industry that we would we would have a lot of respect and time for. So, mm. you know, we we would have got some of those to 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 taste it um yeah. as well to so just i i suppose um give us confidence that that what we were releasing was fit for purpose right yeah you know the kind of progression since then you know we're now just releasing release number 20 in that bridge series you know we would we would sample regularly our portfolio of stuff the stuff that's that's getting closer to to when we think it's 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 going to be ready We'll sample more frequently, and we we do involve some third parties in that just just to kind of get an external view on it. Uh, that is not just uh, you you know we're not just snow blind with it ourselves. But 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 by and large, as well as as the kind of level of confidence in what you're doing increases, and and your level of experience increases, um you know, and and go back to Mike handling all of this, like he you know, uh, we're 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 pretty confident that, you know. Anything we put out is 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 is, is good and is um is, is fit for release. You know.
0: I love the branding as well because like I have fond memories of going over the Lanesborough Bridge. You know, because as as you say, it's a gateway from the east to the west. You know, because my um my family would be from Rosscommon. My dad's from Rosscommon. All right. And my mum's in Galway. So right, I, right. I I was thinking that's a it's just a small town like it's like you know you're thinking wow Lanesborough and then to put Lanesborough on the map now you know it's great like how how big a space you got over there for your micro distillery
1: ah uh, the micro distillery it's in an old butcher shop right so you know we've we've gradually kind of consumed more space behind that and behind that again you know what I mean yeah. so so um yeah we're fairly kind of wedged at the seams there um God I can't remember what the square meterage of it is. We're Obviously, building a much bigger distillery right across the road, which is you know a full scale whiskey distillery. Again, I should have the figure at the top of my head, but I don't of, of how many square meters that is, but it's thousands, so you know. What
0: yeah, so, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 um, yeah, I mean, the, the interesting thing about Lanesboro, um, and and people might be fed up with me telling this story, but um, Lanesboro, Lanesboro was probably 100 years ago was probably a, a, a sleepy little backwater. No, maybe it wasn't because. The, the, it was a significant trading post on the Shannon so you had the canals you, you had you had barges coming down the canal down the Shannon and then picking up the the um the other canal down to Shannon Harbor and coming back to Dublin so you had a lot of kind of traffic on the Shannon and and because it was a crossing point um you know the, the, there seemed to be a bit of trade going on Port namona came to N in the 1940s um and ESB came in the 1950s, and they, they built houses, like, so Bordemona built seven housing estates in the Midlands, but three of them are within five kilometers of Lanesborough. so they built houses for the workers, and, you know, you'll see old posters from the time of, of ads, invite, you know, trying to get people to come to work in Bordemona, and, you know, the the part of the attraction was a, a house, right,
0: yeah.
1: with, with uh, running water and an inside toilet, right? Which, if you think back, probably wasn't in a lot of the houses back then. So we, <laughs> yeah, Lanesborough, yeah. became this this kind of um, uh, epicenter of of commerce, I suppose, or in industrial progress, right? And you know, you, you had people from all con- counties in Ireland in Lanesborough, then they were there to work on the bogs or to work on ESP. But to continue the story you know, um, around the end of the 50s or during the 1950s, obviously that first tranche of workers like Motor, built their own machines and and fixed them and all the rest. So, you know, there was there was a huge emphasis on trades, you know, so so fitters and welders and turners and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, they they needed replacement workers. So in 1960, there was a technical school set up in Lanesborough and there was five teachers day one in it. So one was my dad, who was a metalwork teacher who had come from West Clare, and the other was my mother, who was a home economics teacher who had come from North Longford. So um, and that's how we ended up in Lynnsburg, right? Was yeah. was a, a a function or a byproduct, I suppose, of Border Mona and ESB, right? And the 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 kind of salient point in this is um the power station in Ames closed in Christmas twenty one, I think, and you know the the bog operations have have been have been phased down. I mean, they're they're now what the guys are doing is reclaiming bogs. There's no more peat harvesting, right? Mm. So you know, I suppose. Here now we have this embryonic business that can be the next wave of of, of progress in Lanesboro. And, you know, to your point about, um, you know, putting Lanesboro on the map, right, um, it, you know, our, our export footprint is growing all the time. And, mm. you know, ultimately, you know, to see bottles made in Lockery Distillery in Lanesboro County, Longford, in various places around the world is, is you know, in time that will be that would be massive. And, you know, we got people, a fella stopped me on the street down there last year and he showed me his phone and he said, where can I get a bottle of this? And it was one of our Bridge Series whiskies. And yeah. I said, where, where, where did you, you know, I said here, just across the road here, but where, where, where did you get that? Did somebody give it to you on the river or show it to you? And he says, no, no, I got it in Switzerland and I I, I came here because I want to get another bottle. Of it. You don't know where yeah. the reach is, you know, and, and like, we're, you know, we're small guys, like we don't have this yeah. big marketing machine that, that other brands have. But Ultimately, you can see year on year, this kind of people seeking us out, people coming to Lanesburg because they've heard about us, they've they've sampled our products, they like our products, and um, you know, and that and that will grow and grow and grow, and that, and that'll as as the brand grows, it it will you know hopefully be good for us and our business, but that's also really good for for the the locality. You know, people coming to Lanesburg now to see us. You know, we'll go across the road and buy a sandwich or you know go up to town and have a bite to eat or a few pints or whatever and you know so that it, it's, it's good for the whole kind of mm. ecosystem locally yeah.
0: I actually went on the Shannon there a few years ago, for nine days, and it passed down through um and it ended up in Port Runny because you have a you have a, you have a bottle that's uh, called Port Runny. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I never even knew this place exists. But if you if you if you're not on the on the on the the lakes, you'll never see it. You know what I mean? Because like it's one of these towns that are small areas that you just don't uh, don't see. Because
1: yeah, I mean it's it's a whole kind of undiscovered part of ireland right yeah. um like the bottles like one thing we consciously do is you know the our first release was was too smart the next one was on dara yeah and uh, the next two were were to do with the closing of the power station in the bogs one was called mount dylan because the group of bogs was mount Dillon, and then the other one was the next was called the station right yeah. because the, that's what the power station was known as locally the station you know okay, yeah, yeah. um but but since then apart from some co- collaborations which we'll probably come on to mm. um Every every bottle since then is called after a place on the lake, right? Uh, you know, so Port Runny, Barley Harbor, lecaro uh, Killineur. So these are all points or inlets or bays or whatever on the lake. We we have a twenty one year old out now, which is called Ingenia, which is one of the um, what you call it? One of the larger islands on the lake, right? And there's 52 islands on the lake, so yeah, yeah. you know we have a massive canvas there to to continue working with. And and you know, I suppose what we try and do is 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 distribute the names equally on both sides of the river. You know, what I mean, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. we're not just kind of <laughs> totally Longford focused or whatever. So mm. um, yeah, it, it's it's um, but again, that all helps in the branding, the branding of lockree and the branding yeah. of the area. You know
0: a massive a massive lake I remember I was out there it was dead of night and we were on about six lads on one of these kind of caracrafts caracraft boats from uh Carrick and Shannon and I'm telling you it could, you could be in the RSC you couldn't see either side and you're gonna where am I you know what I mean like it's yeah, such a yeah. it's such a big lake and it's so, and it's almost things to see like I remember Port Runny my 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 my, my, my finest memory of Port Runny was rocking up at about I uh, must be nine or ten o'clock at night and you we stopped off and it was like a playground. We were just kicking about there for a bit, and then we noticed there was a, there was a pub there. I was like, oh, let's walk in there." And we had a big lock-in. we never, we never went back there since. So we don't know where. Yeah, it is. I think that <laughs> just... I think
1: that pub is closed. Actually, is it? yeah, it, yeah, 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 yeah. But like that's a place we used to be brought there as kids. Yeah, you know, on a Sunday, the folks would be looking for something to do with you, and they'd load you all into the car and yeah. you'd end up in port runny, or you'd end up in Feet Bay or somewhere, and you know all these places. So, like a, a lot of these kind of names have have kind of significance for us in terms of god there's there's a place we knew we know well because yeah. you know that that it, and it has a you know some of them have have lots of history going back hundreds of years but to us some of them have history going back to 30 or 40 well 40 years now to, yeah. to our, our, our childhood and very fond memories a lot of them you know
0: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I and I also was looking at one you were saying you said your collaboration. You have St. Mel's, you know, in Longford.
1: And again, go back to 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 Mike and and the wood. So these are casks yeah. that Mike would have sourced, right? I think I think the St. Mel's might have been a red wine cask. Oh nice. Uh, the initial that was our first collaboration. Sent it into St. Mel's. They put brown mm. ale in it um for, for a period, I think of several months. Um, obviously took out the brown ale, released that as a special, sent us back the cask, and we put um we put, uh, I think the first one was five-year-old malt. We have a St. Mel's number two coming out now, which, which was a six-year-old malt. Again, St. Mel's brown ale. Unfortunately, St. Mel's went out of business um, at the end of last year, but we had four casks in with them, right? Which we now have back and filled with whiskey. So the St. Mel's two is one of, a, a, the three more to follow on that. The, the same kind of, um, you know, beer-finished um, whiskey, right? The dead centre stuff is is the same concept. Again, it was, a, it was a two red wine casks. Uh, we sent them down to Liam uh, Tutty down in uh, dead centre. These are great guys. They put a, I think the first two, they put a stout in. Uh, I can't just remember the name of the stout. Here right now, I think it was called. Sent them back to us. We put, we put um, five-year-old malt in them. So, and we, you know, the beauty of this is you can play around with the, with the timings and you can play around with the abvs right mm. so dead center one was i think it was 11 weeks and we released it 43 percent dead center two was uh 14 weeks and we released at 46 percent and they're two entirely different whiskies you know the 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 flavor profile has changed even though it was the same whiskey that went into it and it was the same stout that was in the casks so we we've just released Dead Center Three, right? Um, just came out last week. So again, that's a six year old six year old malt, forty three percent. In a, a again, it was another Imperial Stout called False Profit from from the lads. Um, and we've we've some like we've ongoing collaborations with those guys. We said Mel's we've we've said Mel's number two coming out now, um, which again was Brown Ale, uh, and the, you know these are all limited releases under the bridge, 300, 320 bottles. You know, and and they're, they're they're really good, um really good whiskeys. So, and that that's a we've a collaboration on going Black Donkey as well. So, you know, it, it's it's this kind of find some guys locally who are collaboration potential with, and 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 work that. You know,
0: so it's that Center and their other one was it what was it was it Donkey Uh Black Donkey Black, Black donkey. donkey. They are up
1: in um, God, they're in Roscommon. I think they're up in Boyle or around there somewhere. Mm. So, um, yeah, cool. yeah, you know, so they're all interesting. You know what we see in export markets, I suppose, is demand for for these kind of un, unusual whiskies. You know, the, as as people progress on their whiskey journey, you know they go yeah. through the kind of standard stuff and then the step up and the step up. But the 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 kind of discerning whiskey guy likes likes different stuff so long as it's not outrageously priced right Um, and and these aren't so that that you know that that kind of formula allows us to kind of keep that moving and and then you know to give our export partners something different i mean obviously the bart's whiskey which we come on to is our volume yes right on the slingshot gin but if you have something else to give these guys in limited quantities now it's a cherry on the cake for them and it helps them to sell your product so you know that's that's the kind of strategy behind it
0: so would that be released uh, on trade or just where would you sell it if it's a, if it's limited uh, release
1: limited release so um no i mean online ourselves um mm. somebody somebody into on trade somebody into the collector market you know we yeah. we pretty much every release is probably fifty percent allocated before it's released. So we have we have guys who you know over the years of whiskey live or wherever will mm-hmm. say here give me a bottle of everything you have, right? Everything you release. So you know with those guys might contact us twice a year and and they'll just okay, have you got those three bottles or six bottles from yeah we'll have we'll have put them aside for them and and you know they'll take a delivery in, in, in bulk. And that's that's predominantly Irish, but it's not entirely Irish. We have we have collectors in, in Austria, we have collectors in Germany, um, we've collectors in, in, in the um Baltic countries, you know, and and those guys are quite happy to get access to the whiskey and to pay the pay buy for the Irish duty and pay the shipping charges. Yeah, right. Yeah. But that's so um you know we we then have, have kind of guys locally in the on trade who um you know again will buy bottles of everything everything we release and they'll you know there's there's bars locally which have luxury shelves on them and that's those guys want to keep keep our stuff on them. And then uh some of it will go in through through uh, Celtic and in through Irish malts or whatever. So um yeah there's so there's it depends on the releases like some you know like say 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 the inchain at the 21 year old malt there's only 140 bottles of that. Yeah. That's a distillery exclusive right you know you, you can't do you can't kind of go out into channel too much with that right yeah. so um yeah it, it it depends on the depends on the whiskey depends on the price point depends on the vo- the, the 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 number of bottles
0: yeah now, I was talking earlier on and uh, it's on me a little bit like I you were, I was talking about your first release of whiskey but then again you were saying gin because gin is al- it's always good to release gin because you're able to make gin quicker than uh, whiskey so let's talk about the the gin gin side sort of things over in air uh,
1: yeah, so I mean, there's Slingshot Jane. Um, listen, it was our first release. Um, it is. It was, you know, the the micro distillery decision was. I, I, I suppose it was a big food fair in Lanesborough in 2017, and you know we we had an awful lot of work done in the background on on our brand development and product development and everything else, and we we had some equipment ordered, and you know we were faced with a choice in in kind of early twenty eighteen of do we go and contract manufacture this or do we do it ourselves? Can we do it ourselves? And, you know, our whole, our whole vision for the business is to bring to the world from our hometown of Lanesboro, the finest, most highly regarded Irish spurts, right? So doing it in Lanesboro was, was something we were passionate about and something we felt we needed to do to establish a distilling operation in Lanesboro. So that's where the micro distillery came about. Um, obviously, you know, the still we have, it's a, it's 150 liters still. Um, and and it was, you know, it's it's primarily a gin still. We do make whiskey on it, but you know, it, it's primarily a gin still. So what 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 that allowed us to do setting up the micro distillery was to bring together an awful lot of the kind of work we had done on the brand development, the product development, and get product out there in the market and and start understanding that side of the business, the whole route to market side of the business. So Slingshot Slingshot is is, is a combination of four different distillates: a classic gin distillate, a mint distillate a citrus distillate and the final one a peat distillate right and again this is something we were probably didn't realize at the time the 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 power of the of, of the last one right but you know when we we're in a room with with 20 other gin brands at a trade fair or whatever and you know You always have some smart arse guy going around kind of, oh yeah, what what makes you different? We bring a solid turf and we say, this is what makes us different because we're the only guys in the world to distill this as a botanical. And it adds a a different kind of flavor complexity to it that people can't, they can't put their finger on until you kind of tell them. So that's Slingshot. um, uh, Obviously, the other two gins we have are Achill, which is, a, is the only 100% Irish gin. So it's Irish whey spirit and Irish juniper. So we've found a source of Irish juniper. Most juniper comes from out in the Balkans. Uh, like the juniper in, in Slingshot comes from Bosnia and it's dried. Like And that's really the same for any other distillery. So we've found a source of Irish juniper and we distill it fresh. So Achill is, a, is a, a single botanical juniper forward, obviously, gin. Right, mm-hmm. what you what you get is a lot of the traditional gin drinkers like that because it's juniper forward. So before all this kind of palava about flavors and botanicals and all this kind of stuff came in, right? You know, and, and the fishbowl glasses and and when before gin kind of became sexy again, you know, the people who were traditional gin drinkers, I, my theory is they drink gin because they they prefer gin to vodka because they like the juniper flavor, right? Mm-hmm. And actual actual delivers that. The other gin we have then and that is is a uh, pinky, so it's um it's a pink gin. Uh, again, I suppose what you're trying to do there is cater to a demographic that, um, y- you know, uh, particularly at this time of the year, there's a there's a demographic out there, typically younger than we are, right, who who like drinking pink gin, um, yeah. and you know, so so it's a product we've created that um, goes down very well in in you know, and we tend to kind of sell it locally. Um, but but it's 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 footprint is gaining, you know. Um, you know that that's I suppose that's our gin portfolio. So it's it's kind of covers both ends of the spectrum, really. Yeah. You know, um, really. I, I mean, in the export side, about our focus is on slingshot. Um, and you know, in in some markets, it's 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 performing very strongly. I mean, it's it's kind of we're 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 constantly surprised by it sometimes that that. You know, guys latch on to it and and they and they love it. You know, um. So that's that's the gin side of things.
0: And would you would you have to go personally to like a market yourself and and introduce yourself to like the markets, like in or would it be true, trade trade fairs, like in Europe? Yeah, or?
1: like I, I suppose I'm a big believer. Um, and maybe it's old school, right? That, um, you know. We we feel we have a very unique story, right? And that's that's not saying that other people don't have a unique story, but we we have a unique story, a family business in our hometown, um, you know, producing outstanding quality products, right? So sometimes the power of that only comes across face to face, right? Yeah. When I'm sitting across the table looking from Guy, I mean, we've we've a really good distributor in Italy, he's working with us about a year and a half now. You know, we we had we had set up a meeting with him went over there, walked in the door and, you know, I, I kind of gave him the story behind all our brands and everything else. And, you know, at the end of it, he says, I had a gap in my portfolio for things. I said, you've just walked in the door with everything I want. And, you know, so now we're doing business with this guy. So that's whiskey, but it's also gin, right? Yeah. So, you know, when they meet you and they, they see our passion for what we do and they, they, you know, they see our pro- products and they see the provenance behind our products um, and, you know, and they, and they see the, I suppose, the genuineness of of, of of what we're about, right? That that can be pretty powerful. It doesn't always work, right? Yeah. So, uh, uh, the preference would be to to go and meet these guys. You know, things like trade fairs are very good sometimes because you can go and meet all of these guys all in one place. So, t- t- trade fair, I mean, the last time we were at Pro Wine, the biggest one is Pro Wine in Dusseldorf around Paddy's Day. Nice. Um, you know, you're, 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 you're kind of doing two things at it. You're obviously looking for new business or you're looking for for partners in, in export markets, but some of the time it's, it's a very convenient place to meet all your existing partners in the space of two or three days. So it saves you having to fly to France separately or having to fly to, to Italy separately. You can, cause most of these guys in the business will be at this, right? Yeah. So, you know, th- that, that's the kind of format we adopt is, is, you know, try and try and form the relationships with these guys and then, then mind that relationship through regular contact, through, through, you know, personal type contact as often as we can, you know. Um and 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 just just try and help them to grow you know, grow your business on, on, on your behalf. Like
0: very good. You were saying about the story, like I w- let's get into Bart's whiskey, because that's that's um in tribute to your father and your first blend released. Talk about that.
1: You know, we obviously had the breech whiskies from going back to to 2019. Um, obviously, you know, with all these great plans heading into 2020 and like the rest of the world, uh, they all they all uh, went on hold for a while. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in the course of that, what we were seeing was as soon as people saw oh, here's somebody else with Irish whiskey, you know, you start to then get a raft of, of export inquiries. Right. From all kinds of diverse places, you know, and working through those, what you realize is actually what guys are looking for is you know they'll buy a small quantity initially but they're looking at the scalability of it right and they want to be able to buy something that they can buy a pallet if that works come back and buy several pallets and get the same product and 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 grow the business that way so what we realized in that is that using the bridge for that wasn't wasn't going to work because you know you you you, no matter how many times you explain to guy listen there's only 300 bottles in this release. You can have the whole release or you can have 10 cases or 20 cases of it or whatever, right? And I'll have another release coming in a month or two months time, right? right? But don't come back to me looking for the same whiskey in two months because it'll be gone. You know, ultimately that story, that became kind of hard, right? So what we realized in that was we needed to, and and, and bear in mind the bridge whiskies are are more expensive whiskeys, right? Mm-hmm. What we realized was we needed to develop a blend, we got with um, with the guys up in Great Northern, the late Brian Watts, um, who we had a lot of time for, um, and you know we had a fair idea, I suppose, what we wanted to do with with the liquid from, from the outset, but it was a, it was a question of kind of going up there, working through it with them, and then multiple multiple iterations after that, we got the product, uh, I suppose, constituents or the 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 blend right, okay, and hmm. again. You were asking about external influence in this. Um, you know, we, we would have Mike would have done most of the running on this, but there was a couple of third party people, um, you know, who we, we have a lot of respect for in the industry, who we we leaned on as well in this to, to to kind of give their input in it. So ultimately what we've ended up with is this complex whiskey. The other, the other side of this then was the the story, the brand story. And I mean, our dad Bart, he passed away in 2010 before we even got into all of this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a metalwork teacher, so he was a, he was a technical man. He was brilliant, brilliant with his hands, you know. He, he, I'm still amazed. You'd still think of things that God that did, you know. He, he could he could, he, as I described, he came from a, a time when people didn't buy new stuff; they just fixed what they had, right? Yeah, and that yeah, was, some yeah. of that was was necessity, uh, and some of it was just capability, right? So he was always tricking around with stuff. You know, there was there was loads of times in our whole kind of journey of setting up the micro distillery and and everything that's happened since where you've kind of looked back and said his dad would have loved that he would have you know us putting the still together and oh like at at this stage we would be beating him out of the place like if he was was alive now he'd be going dad would you just go home and just go away and leave us alone what i mean in 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 the latter years of his life well probably the last 20 years of his life um he got into clocks so, clocks was his passion, fixing clocks. So, he'd go off to auctions and he'd, he'd come home at all hours of the morning and he'd with bootloads of old clocks and he'd, he'd, he'd fixed them, you know. Right. So, he had he'd just tremendous skill with his hands, but also tremendous patience, right? So, he could he'd take apart a clock and more impressively, he'd put it back together again and get it working, you know. And um, so, when, when we were kind of looking at this, there was, a, there was a, a really obviously parallel staring us in the face on this, right? And we were working with Bourbea, um, our brand strategist in there on on the whole brand story around it. And a complex whiskey is like a clock, okay? And, you know, in a clock, the smallest wheel and the biggest wheel are as important as each other. If the small wheel doesn't work, the clock doesn't work, right? Yeah. And it's the same in a complex whiskey. So, and, and you know, so there's five whiskeys in our blend. And each of them has a, has a role to play, and you know. So the seventy nine percent grain, there's two percent peated malt, and and three other whiskies in between. And you know, to get that balance right was nearly like fixing the clock, right? Mm. And and so we've used the kind of clock analogy, if you like, as a as a way of describing the 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 complexity of the blend in the whiskey, but also as a nice kind of and and I won't say a tribute, like we're always reluctant to sort of say it's a tribute, right? Okay. Um, it's. You know, our dad was passionate about clocks. He was passionate right. about lots of things, but he was passionate about clocks, and we we're passionate about whiskey. It's a, it's a way of just kind of, uh, I, I suppose, involving them in the journey, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's a, it's a kind of a, um, you know, it's a motivating factor, I suppose, for us, right? You 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 know, you don't put your dad's name and your family name on a bottle and and then go out and fail or or, or mm-hmm. make an ass of it. You know what I mean? So, you know, it, it's about quality. It's about you know just just doing doing things right i suppose and 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 um um you know so it's not it's not, it's not a tribute it's not that our dad was some famous hurler and we called a whiskey after him right there's a parallel in the stories right yeah and we 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 think we've used that quite neatly to to you know satisfy our needs but also to uh, i i suppose to, to honor him really it's not you know to to, to just have him there involved in the business, even though he's, he's long since passed. You know,
0: I'd imagine if you're making whiskey or distilling, you need that patience, especially with blending. Like the, you need patience, and like like you're gonna, you're not always gonna get it perfect. It's all the time, um, and it's amazing how how clocks are made. You're right because there's so many inner workings that if one part fails, it could just mess up the whole. Um, you know. System, yeah. You know I
1: mean? yeah, yeah. So it's it's you know you know and, and like this you know so we we use the kind of clock emblems and that kind of stuff on the brand, but we also yeah. like on the on the back of the bottle. I don't know if you can see it there. You know, we tell people exactly what's in the blend, and yeah. we use this kind of clock. Um, I don't know if you can see it. The kind of gears there. Yeah. yeah, it was a way of kind of describing describing how it all kind of meshes together. You know, so
0: yeah, very good. If you are into clocks, uh, still, um, I was standing in Waterford there recently. Uh, they have a, a Museum of Time. All right, Check it out. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, €5 euro in. They have this thing where you get, like, a package. So you pay, like, €15, euro and you get to do, like, the Medieval Museum. You get to do a walking tour. And you get to do, like, the, there's a Silver Museum and a Museum of Time. But the Museum of Time is really cool. All the clocks. Like, your dad would have loved it because it's all yeah, clocks. Yeah. Like, going back to, like, you know, old Dublin clocks. You know, the, you know the clocks you see in like, Grafton Street and stuff like that. Really, like, refined clocks versus, like, pocket watches and even there's a clock for that like there's a there's a one they use for like the reading of the the, temp- the temperature you know over in like um Dublin airport you know the, the the wind kind of thing oh yeah yeah yeah. fascinating yeah. stuff like yeah that. yeah yeah you, you'll yeah. you get something from it if you if you're there maybe some inspiration as well yeah yeah well it's fascinating um so yeah we were talking about Jane. and we were talking about yeah that you're, you're like an honor and your dad's kind of you know Really, strength with his hands and the fact he's he's always trying to make things, you know, from and, and trying to reclaim things. That's that's a, a generational thing. I think these days people just throw stuff away. They just well, I
1: think it's to... a, a consumer society, you know, yeah. and, and and it's it's driven by that. I mean, yeah. you know, I tell a story. I think, you know, our, our mother, I think, won won uh, a, a small sum of money on a prize bond forty or something years ago and bought. I don't know, it was a washing machine or a tumble dryer or something at the time, you know. Yeah. You know, uh, it it only got thrown out there five years ago. You know what I mean? Because it had ten new bearings and five new pulleys and three yeah. new belts and all that. And kind of, you know what I mean. So that was just the way of it. And but some some of the stuff he did was 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 fabulous. Like he he just uh you know and he he just had to, he had a gift. He he just was brilliant at it. Like so, oh. unfortunately, it hasn't all rubbed off on, 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 uh, certainly the patience bit anyway, hasn't, but, uh, mm. yeah, yeah, it's, it's, um, nah, nice to be able to do these things as well. You know what, like what, what you're, what we're seeing now, right, is, so, so I, 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 suppose I've got the eldest kids, my, my eldest guy is nearly 20, um, you know, and he works in a bar and that, and, and, but I also have some nephews who, who have worked with us through, you know, and, You know, you're now, we're now starting to bring them to some of the trade events and the likes of Whiskey Live and that, you know, so, you know, however powerful it is me telling somebody the story about Barts and sort of saying Bart was my dad, right? You know, I had my young fellow over at a a convention in Austria there earlier in the year, you know, and after a day and once he built up a bit of confidence, he was now saying Bart was my granddad, right? Yeah. And that's how, yeah, you know, so, so, um, which is brilliant. You know, that, that mm. was, that, that's when you hear him saying that, you're kind of going, Jesus, right. Uh, we're, we're, you know, it's, it's just really nice.
0: Generational now. Yeah. Very good. We're talking about like gin, So you have some vodkas as well. Like you told what double P vodka and also the 99 vodka that must, that's an interesting take. Yeah. Yeah. Tonight. So,
1: so the vodka story, I suppose, um, started with Zesty, Zesty citrus vodka, mm. um, so uh, we released that a year after Slingshot. We kind of had it in the can, and and we um, we 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 brought that out. Won best Irish vodka the week after it was released, uh, and the last the next time that competition was held was last year at the Irish Whiskey Awards, and it won best Irish vodka again. Right, so it's crack and drop of stuff, brilliant cocktails and that. Then we have uh, double peat vodka, which mm. again is is a uh, was a bit of Mike kind of playing around where. We had um the peated distillate that goes into Slingshot, right? Um and, one, and we had a whiskey cask that one of the bridge whiskies had been in, either Mount Dillon or the station. I think it was Mount Dillon, right? So he just put he just put the the, the Peter vodka distillate into this. It, it kind of that happened before COVID, and kind of COVID was going on, and we had lots of other stuff going on, and I nearly forgot about this, and then mm. realized, oh, hang on here a second. So, um, so that's the double peat vodka. Use a lot in cocktails. It's got a really nice kind of smokiness to it. Just, just not, 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 not as in a whiskey smokiness, but just yeah. this kind of hint of hint of something. So, um, that's the double peat. <clears throat> uh, in parallel with that, this is the gin, the Grand Cru gin, where again a cascades gin it was stuff that was put in a cask and and kind of nearly forgotten about over COVID or over a couple of years and you know other people have done cascades gins, but it's typically three to six months this was in a cask for two years so if you if you, if you look at it it looks nearly like a whiskey I, and it, you know it won a masters i one of one of the gin competitions it won won the highest medal out of it. basically it's cracking stuff the last vodka is um is our 99 vodka and again this is this is kind of catering to a demographic um, if you in the in the same way as the pink gene if you look at consumption patterns in um in the entree you know you're going to to any any form of kind of bar which is serving cocktails you you'll see the, the the porn star martinis you know and what's in a porn star martini is vanilla vodka um and you know there is other products out there in the market, but ours is probably the only naturally infused vanilla vodka. So we actually get vanilla pods and we infuse them in the liquid, right? <laughs> you know, I remember doing doing a a, a taste comparison with with a, a local publican, and he was just going by the smell, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And and he was comparing it to another product, and uh, you know the other product just smelled way sweeter. And and you know I started saying to them, okay, taste them, and and the taste was we had we had got a very similar flavor profile, but very obviously there was there was um, flavoring or essence or something added to the other product, right? To 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 give it this sweet smell. Yeah. That's not our gig, right? And yeah. um, so again, vanilla vodka um, tipping away nicely. It's it's very much designed for the the um, the um the on-trade cocktail market.
0: Nice. Yeah, very good. Yeah. yeah, I like it. I like the idea of it. I, I love a 99 ice cream. Um, There's even taste of the flake as well, yeah?
1: <laughs> no, it doesn't quite taste but it, but it was, you know, that's the 99 is just kind of, okay, yeah. what do we call this? You know, vanilla vodka. And, yeah, and somebody nice. came up with, I think it was our graphic designer actually came up with 99. That yeah. it was Vanilla, what do people think of, uh, when they think of vanilla, they think of a 99 cone.
0: Yeah, nice.
1: And yeah, uh, we, we've used that so like this this was work we did last year as so you'll see behind me here on the top shelf this founder series of products which which, which, immoral, which are yeah. So we we went through a rebrand or a refresh the branding i suppose on the on the actual and zesty and brought yeah. these new products into play so um that now is a is a is a mechanism for us to add products to that portfolio we've no kind of immediate plans on it but it's it's something we can do then in terms of in terms of expanding or stretching that out you know
0: Right. Now you've lot, you've lots of a mixture of different barrel finishes. Like do you use ex Bourbon, X Sherry, any Irish oak? Or I know you use some board. I haven't used
1: oil. any Irish oak yet. Um no. again, Mike is 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 the expert on this, I suppose. It's mm. um you know, I, I suppose over time and, and some of this came via our relationship with Ali in the Celtic whiskey shop was was uh, in, in, in the early days, he would have pointed us at some good quality casks, um liquid, right? Yeah. But also some, some, you know, he 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 had his own his his Celtic Cask series, right? But again, it, it's it's doing the groundwork. So that's that's make you know a product of kind of going to going to trade events, going to conferences, building up relationships, might getting to know guys who are in the cask business, going out to guys, going out to Bordeaux, or going out. Uh, to wineries or or in yeah. you know, whatever and and at some level casks are a commodity, right? By virtue of that, nearly there's an inclination to 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 simplify it, right? So you have guys who are in the cask business who probably have no right been in the cask business because they 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 they're just seeing that cask as a as a as a commodity, right? Mm. You know. Whereas really, if you're going to put stuff in in sherry casks, if, if you're going to put expensive liquid into into expensive casks, right, you want to have a fair degree of certainty that you know, um, the cask is good enough for the liquid you're putting into it. You, you, you know, like if you, if you if you think of a think of a cask of ten year old, fifteen year old malt, right, if you're mm. going putting that in a finishing cask, I mean, there's 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 many thousands of euros worth of value, right? Yeah. You want to make sure what you're putting it into is is reflective of that, right? And yeah. um, and and that's that's I won't say it's a black art, but that there's many pitfalls in it, right? Yeah, yeah. And Mike has 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 grown in his kind of understanding and confidence and maturity in that over 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 several years, and and is you know he looks after that into things because he's 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 got a really really good handle on it, you know, and you know so that that's going on all the time. We're looking at casks now for product we mightn't bring out for another three years. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? You're, you're,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, you're all the time watching what's available on the market, what whiskey you have, where, what stage the whiskey is at, where, you, you know, uh, like we we, like we haven't brought out any pot still yet under the bridge, but we have multiple casks of it. It's certainly 18 months, if not two years, if not three years before we're going to bring some, some of that pot still out. Right. Yeah. We're working away on that. You you know, and and that's that's the kind of beauty of this business is you can't be, you can't sort of say, oh, Jesus, right, we'll bring out a pot still with a sherry finish, you know, in three months' time. You have to... You have to incubate it uh, for 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 that. So yeah, yeah, and and that that's the kind of evolution of the business is is kind of going from you know what will be released next, what will be released next to the last couple of years where are, we now have a more longer term roadmap, I suppose, a release plan in terms of what whiskeys we're bringing out and when we're bringing them out, um, and, and and that kind of stuff. So you know that that's, you know, and, and I suppose that's the challenge because you're 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 trying to marry the selling what you have and what you've released right with Ensuring you've you've got enough stock to 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 keep that going and to grow yeah. the thing um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. going out over a number of years, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Now it, it is interesting as well. I mean, like that, and another reason why I wanted to speak to you guys and um from Lockery is I was talking to Mike at the Whiskey Live and he showed me your uh the the innovative bottling system thing. So where did that come from? Where the idea? Um,
1: oh, Eco Spirits, yeah, yeah. yeah where did that come from um the 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 engineers in us um and mike mm-hmm. is an engineer as well it's is, yeah. is, is kind of you're always looking at what's new out there and 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 uh, new stuff and that uh, so it's something we came across mike came across it actually probably got to 2 years ago you know saw it on on some of the airwaves um saw these guys you know and and, and once kind of covid was over the whole mood music in 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 this industry shifted to sustainability you know you'll see the big guys are 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 coming out uh, you know doing away with secondary packaging gifting gift boxes all that kind of which is 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 really is 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 good to be honest with you right okay Uh, and and over time the consumer will get used to that right when when we you know we took a fairly deep dive looking at this um and what what you realize is you know this this thing was a no-brainer right so if you, if you look at the carbon footprint of a spirit drink it's kind of split up into in, in three thirds right so the first third is your your raw materials right so as a as a distillery there's very little you can do about that right you you know I, I, except check that the guy you're buying from them buying them from has his house in order right mm. right fundamentally you're heating stuff, and then you're cooling it back down again. You know, there's there is a there is a there's a base carbon footprint involved there, right? I won't say all you can do, but there's you're limited in in what you can do with that. You still have to have a heat source, right? And and there's there's a whole heap of work going on in that, a whole heap of different technologies, emerging technologies, technologies from other sectors which have been applied or people trying to apply them in this space. You, you know, but if you, if you take that that thirty percent for the distilling side, I mean. If if a distillery was able to, to achieve 10 or 20% saving in that, right, it would be massive. They would class that as massive, right? Mm. But in the overall context of the carbon footprint, that a 20% saving on 30% is actually only six percent of an overall carbon saving. So if you look at the final third, is packaging. So what Eco Spirits is is a closed loop reusable system, right? So they the liquid is supplied in four and a half liter. Reusable totes with a dispensing mechanism, okay. And when they're when it's emptied, it's coming. It 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 routes back to the filling source, right? And the, and the the way their their model works is on its it's on a territory by territory basis. So we're we're the operator, the licensed operator for Ireland. So we've invested in the capital equipment, the filling the filling machines. And the washers and all that stuff, right? And the fleet of totes. What that does, right, is it it can give a sixty to ninety percent reduction in carbon footprint for the for the third that's concerned with with packaging, right? Oh yeah. So if you think about, about what I said, so let's say let's say it was ninety percent. So now you can get nine threes of twenty seven. You can get a twenty five percent, twenty seven percent overall reduction. In your carbon footprint, right, which is massive. So what these guys have done as well, they're really clever. Um, we're the twenty-third country to to become a licensed operator. So they've rolled out at a rate of knots. They were only founded in twenty eighteen, right? What that does, oh sorry, what, what, one one of the things they've done is they created a calculator. They, they, they got Deloitte to create a calculator. You know can now be used for a venue or or a, or a brand to demonstrate their carbon saving, right? So, you know, by plugging in a, a number of variables and it factors in the cost or the, the carbon footprint getting the equipment and getting the, the totes and everything else, what, what they see is this 60 to 90% reduction in carbon saving. There's obviously some economic benefits as well. As a, as a brand, you now don't have to invest in bottles. You don't have working capital tied up in loads of bottles. It will make us more competitive as brands, right, or smaller brands and give us give us a fighting chance in, in, the, in the market out there. And... Um, and and it's amazing the pain points that guys have. Right. You know, so so the pain point that the brand has and the pain point that the venue has are two different things. Right. And a lot of times the pain point that the venue has some of these guys, their their pain point is actually getting rid of bottles and getting rid of cardboard. Right. For volume based products. Right. So if you can address that and your commercials are right, th- this is such an easy system to use. I mean, we, we used it at the night and day festival in Boyle ourselves recently. We're, we have a pop-up at the Flak, the Mullingar next week. We're using it at that. But, it, you know, it, it just... My brother-in-law was was working with the bar with us down at, at the night and day thing. And he, he's an ex-bar guy. And he loved this because there was no mess. There was no pouring stuff into a measure and fellas spilling stuff on a counter. There was just no mess. So it it has multiple kind of advantages. It's probably going to be into September now at this stage. But uh, we're we're pretty excited by it because it it's you know it's it, it, i think it i think it can be a game changer to be honest with you and and ultimately as a as a distillery right i'm in the business of making alcohol and selling it right mm. shelling out a heap of money on bottles and cardboard and everything else is 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 a function of what i'm trying to do but if i can find a more efficient way of doing it which has you, you know um environmental advantages sustainability advantages and commercial advantages well then it's it's a no brainer yeah we're, we're we're pretty excited by it.
0: No, it's really good. Yeah, it's interesting I guess we work as you said for events in, in in regards because you know it's if it's it's compact it's easy to uh use and it's less waste I guess as well.
1: Ma- massively. Yeah, yeah, massively. Mm. Yeah, but it's it, you know um yeah, there's a there, I, we think there's a massive play in in the pouring space um in markets with it. You know, and it's 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 not just our brands. I mean, it's free for other brands to come on onto the platform. You know, obviously we will fill the product for them. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it, it's we're we're seeing new applications for this every week. You know. Um. So we're we're pretty excited to 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 kind of get it up and running and and uh, see where it goes. You know. Yeah. Very clever. Very clever.
0: Uh. Also, do you have any plans for a, a visitor center over in Lainsbourg, uh for Lockery?
1: yeah I mean in in the we have a very small setup at the minute where we are, you know, and we we do get a raft of people calling into us. um yeah in 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 the bigger scheme across the road which we we'll, we'll get started on this year at some stage, we, we do have a more enhanced visitor visitor center in that yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny one. i' I'm, I'm, I think how people consume data has changed, right? I'm less and less convinced of the need to to put in a massive built footprint infrastructure that you have to maintain. Right. You know, if 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 I look at my kids now, you know, everything is on the phone, you know, so, so, you know, I, th- I think there's ways of doing this cleverly, Um, y- you know, while, while still delivering this, this kind of, in, in I don't say enhanced experience, but, you know, what, what, what people like when they come to us is, is authenticity of it. Right. And mm-hmm. um, that it's not some makey-uppy thing. Right. And that, that's just mm-hmm. not in a brand. It's not, it's not what we're about. Right. Yeah. You know, I think the challenge has has got to be to to replicate that in in a in a bigger scale w- without you know going and breaking the bank on it, still delivering this experience that, that 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 people want. Yeah, it's it's there. I mean, it's it's another layer of the onion. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 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 um you know when you when you look at this business, I mean, you have the domestic market, you have the online market, you've export yeah, yeah. markets, you have the tourism market, you have, yeah. you know then we've eco spirits into the mix. So there's. There's
0: there's an awful lot of an awful lot of moving parts, you know. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Especially with the you're talking about the new distillery, but like, I mean, another thing I was I was gonna ask about a few a few more questions before we wrap it up. Um, sure. so, any like, what's the new plans for whiskey? What's the next drops of whiskey coming out uh, for Lockery?
1: The next ones. Um, so Dead Center Three came out last week, right? Um. So that's that's live and online there on our on our on our shop. Uh the same Mels number two is coming out this week again. That'll that'll be live by the end of the week, just the start of August here. We've a nice sixteen year old um, finished in a LaFroy cask called Cousin Point. So and again, we would have had samples of these at Whiskey Live and that sort of stuff. So that's coming out around the end of September. And then we have two single grains called Inny Bay and Galley Bay. And again, these are all places on the lake, right? Inny Bay, yeah. G- Galley Bay is down. Uh I saw yesterday there's, there's all these lads go swimming in in Rie, you know. So I saw yesterday some guys doing a swim from Galley Bay down to Port Runny, and it was three and a half kilometers. So Galley Bay is, is about three three and a half kilometers north of Port Runny, right? Okay. So just just yeah. these are a series of grains. I suppose if you look at um we released Bethlehem, which won a gold medal at the whiskey awards in 21. We released two grains last year, Killinure and La Caro. your won a gold medal at the whiskey awards. These next two are the same, the same whiskey. Uh, so two thousand and nine Cooley Grain, finished in, in in different casks. So really good base liquid. Um, and and these are these are. Uh, I I can't just remember. I think one is a red wine cask. I can't just remember what the other one is. Again, two different whiskeys. Um, you know, it's it's a while now since I tasted the samples of them, but. They'll be coming out around October time. That's probably what's 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 coming down the tracks for the year. That'll be probably six or seven releases under the bridge, um, over the course of the year, which is is kind of ramping up the game a little bit, you know. So we're now we're now with twenty releases in it, like so. It's it's um so try and remember them all and 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 yeah uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's a it, challenge you know where where can. People see you, are you on any trade shows around Europe or? or Uh, Well, listen, if you're down at the
1: Flan Mullingar next week, uh, I don't know when this is going out, so but this might be after it, right? We've done a good bit of stuff on um tastings with whiskey societies over the course of this year, yeah. Um, and and that will continue. I don't ask me what the schedule is for it, but I know there's three (laughs) or four more um lined up over the course of the year. Uh, we'll be at the ploughing again. The ploughing is always is, is a really good consumer event. Uh, you meet a lot of people, get a lot of liquid on lips. Uh, I mean, other trade events in Ireland. There's probably not a whole heap happening um, for the rest of the year in Ireland. That you know, this industry, as you know, goes in kind of seasons. So you, mm. you you know you have to kind of first part of the year up to maybe you know from kind of February to May June. Yeah. Uh, and then there's another short window, kind of September to the kind of end of October. So we'll be doing some trade events abroad um, j- during that window. We're also going into the States. So we're, we'll um, we'll ship our first product to the States now um, before the end of September, I expect. So, you know, that'll open up a whole other frontier for us there as well. So, it, it, yeah, it's, con- it's constant, constant. Different
0: <laughs> and on trade, off trade, so where can people get it in Ireland? Or well, Ireland, let's have folks on Ireland first.
1: So, uh, you will generally find us in most m- most good off licenses. I won't say all, right? Um, you know, you'll certainly find us in Celtic, but most most good independents, uh, I would expect have us. Um, you know, it, 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 some of that we deal with directly. Some that goes through goes through a distributor. So, I can't say we're in every one of them, right? If if we're not, and you're looking for it, please go and ask for it. Um, on trade, um, a- again. Do you know, I won't say there's no rhyme or reason that we're, we'd be we'd be in a lot of places locally to us, like around the lake, you know, up to Mullingar alone. Mm. Ross Uh you'd see us in lots of those places, uh, and and selected places outside of that. Um, you know, I suppose we've lots of lots of pet customers who who um like our stuff, like like the story, like what we're doing. Um, so yeah, it's it's you know, I, I suppose we're small guys. We don't necessarily have the footprint that. That some other fellows have, or don't make as much noise as some of them. But and and like realistically, and this is not to be dismissive about this, because your you're, your domestic market is important, right? Yeah. But for a business like us to to succeed and thrive, right, it's export driven. Yeah. Right. There's five million people on the island here, mm. seven million if you include the north, right? Uh, there's five million people in Memphis, yeah. right? So, you, you know, um, and and, and as the kind of home of Irish whiskey. There's an awful lot of Irish whiskey brands on the market in Ireland, and there's a, you know, it, it's an increasingly crowded space, and for you to carve out your piece of that can be quite difficult, right? Yeah. Um. Whereas the the bigger play is is in export markets, and and you know to be honest with you, that's where an awful lot of our focus is.
0: Rightly so. Yeah. Absolutely. You're right. You're right. Is it, or, a sm- or a small country compared to America or just Europe in general? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, Peter, I'm going to let you go. You've been, been great to chat to and just get a deep dive into your story and uh, enjoy the fly uh, when it comes. And uh, hopefully I might see you soon, someday, maybe around... Yeah, yeah, the time, yeah. Absolutely. Whatever. absolutely. And, Very uh, good. Yeah, talk to you soon, okay?
1: Good. That was a pleasure, Shane. Thanks a million. Thanks, for Take this. Yeah. Thanks, Cheers. Thanks. See, you. Thanks. see you. bye bye Thanks. See
0: you. see you. And that was Peter Clancy from Co-Founder of Lock Reed Distillery in Lanesborough, County Longford, just Sunday. From my memory as a child, it's the gateway from the east to the west over the bridge, Lanesburg Bridge. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. It was very interesting to hear his story and being a small distillery in the island of Ireland, in the Midlands, going towards the west of Ireland. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, comment, share with a friend. Find me on Instagram at Heartlines Podcast. This has been episode 76. Um, Once again and take it easy remember you're always welcome here on heartlines take it easy and bye bye